Welcome back to the eighth episode of And the Winner Should Have Been, the podcast where my friend Mark and I get together and talk about movies, starting with episodes where we talked about what movies should have won Oscars, and we've branched out since then. So I am Bob, and as I said, here with my friend Mark. Hey, folks. And today we are going to switch it up yet again. We've finished a series of three episodes talking about Lord of the Rings films, uh, just those and not even really about their Oscar competition. And this time we're going to talk about our favorite heist films. We're going to count down a list of the top four. We'll go through those and see if we have some areas of convergence, places that we disagree, and just have fun talking about movies, I guess, like we always do. So before that, though, I am glad to see that you have survived the heat we had in this part of the country. I, for a while, thought I was not going to do that, living as I do without air conditioning. So it was uh, it was a rough few days over the weekend. It was tough. It fortunately was a dry heat. I mean... I, uh, everyone at my work over the week had this small talk point to bring up, but everyone was like, yeah, thank goodness it was a dry heat and wasn't incredibly humid, but we're still talking like almost 110, 110 plus degrees outside for people listening. I was telling Bob earlier, like, I know I never want to live in Arizona. Right. It's not going to be a retirement place for me once I hit that age, especially not if the uh, climate keeps trending as it does. So I've knocked that off my list and yeah, never. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I would not want to live in Arizona. I, I don't really enjoy hot weather at all, but mm-hmm. even more so when it just gets that brutally hot. And I got really frustrated with people on Twitter or wherever saying, it's not that hot in Seattle, guys. It gets this right. hot in Arizona every year. And it's like, well, you know what? Forget that. I, I don't live in Arizona and I choose not to live in Ar- for a variety of reasons, but that's one of them. It's mm-hmm. not supposed to be that hot here. It's like yeah. 30, 40 degrees above the average for this time of year. That's that's not okay. It's always a beautiful argument to have. Well, it's worse in other places. Congratulations. Yes. Would you like a cookie? <laughs> Maybe a gold yeah. star? Yeah. You're right. I didn't have my leg chopped off, but it's hot outside. Just let me speak my mind. Yeah. 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 Anyways, it, people always talking about the weather, but no one ever does anything about it. So that said, for heist films, I thought about this too late to discuss this with before you each of us made this our lists. Right, right. But what is a heist film? I know what I thought of when I was trying to come up with an idea for you know what were my favorite heist films. But what were mm-hmm. the criteria that you were looking at when you said, "All right, heist movies. What qualifies? What doesn't qualify?" Yeah, I guess we can go back and forth and bring up things that typically like qualify a heist film. There isn't any like firm definition as far as I know. A couple things that come to mind, you know, right off the bat, you know, there has to be an object or an item looking to be acquired. I mean, it could be money. I guess money could be the object of principle, but something needs to be obtained. That object is usually of high value even if the value isn't quite known to all the people participating in the theft it's usually a heist film isn't usually just one person it's usually a you know a group or like a band of people kind of working together to accomplish something a team um, which therefore means that this theft this robbery is pretty pretty elaborate you know at scale there's a lot of kind of moving pieces it's not just we run in with guns give us the money we walk out there's a lot of different kind of elements and like cool twists and turns that need to happen i'll keep going i would say there needs to be like enigmatic characters or a good heist film has enigmatic characters so characters where throughout the movie the audience doesn't really know what all of their motivations are who they are or like the nature of these characters, right? You don't have to explain everything about them even. That's really interesting because I did not make that anything like a mm-hmm. criteria for myself. But it seems to be pretty consistent. And we can we could talk more about that. But like enigmatic characters to the extent that like the backgrounds of these people or their motivations is unclear or like purposefully ambiguous, I would say, to create some intrigue. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about my list. I think that's probably true of most of them. Mm-hmm. 
but not all of them on my list. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So that's a that's a nice to have, I guess, in my case. Another one would be, it's like a criminal activity, right? This isn't like a military operation type of thing. We need to go in and get this asset and come out. This is always borderline. Well, it's criminal activity, but it's borderline. Are these good guys or are these bad guys, right? Usually, as an audience member, you're made to believe that you want these guys to win, even though they're the criminals, which is kind of a contrary thing. Well, I agree with that. I think that the audience is always supposed to sympathize with the heisters, those doing the heist. Though I don't know that it needs to not be a criminal enterprise, however. I think that you can sympathize with the criminals Mm. uh, or or non-criminals. I guess I'm thinking of movies, I didn't pick anything like this, but movies where you're dealing with like a wartime heist, right? You could have, maybe this gets more into being like a spy movie then, but mm-hmm. you have someone who is committing the heist in service of their government or in some ideals against an ideological enemy, uh, yeah. Cold War kind of thing. Again, maybe you get more into a spy film at that point, as a, as a primary genre rather than a heist film. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe you could come up with something in that, in that way. To me, that is kind of the borderline between a spy film and a heist film. That's why, and we haven't gotten into our list yet, that's why, to me, what doesn't come immediately to mind is Mission Impossible films when I think of heist films. Okay. Because there, there are heist elements all throughout that series, but those are the good guys, or they're CIA members, right? I think actually, yes, the lead character, Tom Cruise's character, is a member of an intelligence agency. Yeah, it's ambiguous as to whether IMF, the Impossible Mission Force, is part of this. Yeah, but but yeah, yeah, exactly. They're so see what I mean. Like those could be called heist films, I guess. If you have a borderline of this must be like criminals or people acting in a you know on their own type of thing, then it's a different definition. Well, I I would say taking Mission Impossible, and we can get into the actual list here in a second, but the Mission Impossible movies could be heist films, except that in them, the heist is not what is driving the action. It is a corollary. So you take the first one, and spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the original Mission Impossible film from 25 years ago or whatever it is now. Uh, It's been 25 years. Statute of Limitations is up. Yeah. But, um, so the spoiler on this is that they have to steal lists of secret agents. Mm-hmm. But it is part of, in the first place, a hunt for a mole within the organization and not actually you know, the heist itself that's driving it. And then secondarily, right. it's to clear their name from being suspected as a traitor, not primarily to obtain the item being heisted. I'm going to yeah. create a lot of verbs out of heist in this podcast, I can already tell. <laughs> so, Okay. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I, and I don't even know if all of my movies conform religiously to what I just laid out, but there's elements of what I would what I would have said in all of them, for sure. I have, yeah. I have one that is definitely off the reservation a little bit in terms of being a heist film. I don't think it would be the something people would think of immediately. And a second mm-hmm. one that is, if you wanted to argue that it was noir and not a heist, eh, I could give it to you on that. Yeah, but... Yeah. But I think they, I think they count for what I was doing, and I was, as I said, thinking of it more broadly, just having the action, and the plot driven primarily by a group of people stealing uh, an object or objects, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a simple way to put it. Yeah, I, I do like your point about the the ambiguity of their motivations. That is a common thread, though, for yeah. for a lot of them. All right, because these. Oh, go ahead. Oh, one more, one more point. I would say that like the ambiguity is driven by the fact that. Oftentimes in these heist films, these characters are accomplishing things that like normal Joe and Sally couldn't do, right? They have to have some sort of secret skill or expertise or motivation that's driving, you know, how elaborate the plot usually gets. Um, but anyways, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that plays right into building the team, you know, putting the team right, together, yeah. finding the guys with the different skills to do the, to do the job. All right, so we're going to do four of them. We'll start, what is the fourth, number four on your list? Fourth best heist film, in your opinion. Number four for me was The Usual Suspects. Ah. So, 
I don't know if this is on your list or not. It is not. So it's a story told back to front. You've got crime that's already happened. And one of the people who is part of the crime is telling uh, the story of those who were involved um, kind of in a, you know, interview situation in a police office. But essentially it's a ragtag group of criminals who are put together unknowingly to them in a criminal lineup. They've all been caught kind of earlier on in the plot of the film. And I mean, are we going to go into spoilers here? No, no I, I, just... I think, I don't think you have to go in. You can go into spoilers all you want. That's what this podcast does. Mm -hmm. We do spoilers, but you don't have to go into elaborating the plot as so much as to, I think maybe talk about why you think this is a great heist film. Mm. Yeah. So for me, why I really like this film is I love the different personalities of the characters. Also, I'll throw it out there. I mean, regardless of kind of his recent track record, I think Kevin Spacey is a fantastic actor and does oh. a really good, yeah, a really good job in all of his films. It's almost like uncanny, his ability to take on a given role. But also in this movie, like one of the perfect types of roles for him where he gets to play the creepy, again, enigmatic, ambiguous character that you're uncertain about as an audience member, but you have an inkling that there might be more going on, right, than meets the eye. I, I love that movie. I yeah. think it's a fantastic movie. I don't yeah. disagree at all about it being wonderful. I actually considered that, and I rejected it for my list mm. because I didn't think it was a heist film. And this is why it's number four for me because, to your point, well, we can talk more about it, but there is heist elements in here, but that isn't necessarily the like primary, primary right. plot point. Yes. Right. So they steal different things. These This ragtag group of criminals who come together accidentally steal things. Well, not really accidentally. Steal things along the way in the movie, and then there's a final sort of thing they're supposed to steal and acquire, which I guess you could call the primary heist of the heist film sure but it's more about kind of the underlying you know subplot main plot of why they've been put together and what the criminal motivation is yeah 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 when i get to number three you're gonna be like why did you include this if you weren't gonna include the usual suspects but i have an answer for this <laughs> i have a justification we'll get to that in a minute but, okay and we can talk about why i i didn't pick the usual suspects then, gotcha. but that's a great choice i mean the elements are all there, I, I think, except for one key part of it, which is that there's a twist, not the end, of, you know, at the very end of the movie twist, but a twist that they give you halfway through, roughly, mm -hmm. where you find out that it is not actually the heist that matters. And that right. the heist itself, or the idea of a heist, was a ruse in order to accomplish something else. Right. And without revealing too much of the plot, in reality, what you realize is the heist is actually something completely different being performed by one of the characters. He's yes. stealing it. Well, I don't know. I don't want to go into it. But uh, he's yeah. stealing it. That's the thing. He's it's cleverly acquiring about... it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. we can we can argue more about it later. But that's that's a fantastic choice. That's yeah. a really good choice. And as I say, if I decided to stretch my definition slightly in a different direction, I could just as easily yeah. put that on my list too. Yeah. So. Fantastic. Okay, so number four for me, and I went back and forth around this. There's several of these circling at the edges of my list, and one makes decisions. Uh, it's the <laughs> 1956 movie The Killing, by, directed by Stanley Kubrick. I don't think it was his first feature film, but it was the first one that was, I think, really kind of critically acclaimed. So he made this one. And then he made Paths of Glory, which was his breakout film. And then he started getting the big budget to do the things that he really became famous for later. But The Killing uh, stars Sterling Hayden, um, a guy named Vince Edwards, and one of my favorite actors of all time, Elisha Cook Jr. Mm. Um, and it is really more of a noir film. It, it is a film where this uh, Sterling Hayden plays the, the main character, a criminal who gathers together a team of men in order to rob a payroll yeah. but what makes this movie so fantastic in a lot of ways is that it was one of the very first films to tell a non-linear story so if you're familiar with pulp fiction there is a through line in pulp fiction that describes the events that take place but they're not told in that order right the killing did it first 
Mm. Kubrick got there and he made this movie and it is it doesn't end well which is why it's kind of a noir film that the the flaws of all the characters that are inherent to them cause their downfall it's uh almost a greek tragedy in some ways but they they plan to, to hold up a payroll at a racetrack they're gonna steal all the money they had set up an elaborate plan at, at one point when he's describing the plan to his comrades he points out that there are two men that are part of the plan that are not with them that he is hired on a flat fee basis to do two specific things that have to be done but they don't know why they're doing them Mm-hmm. Right, so he's a guy. He's hired to pick a fight at a bar, and the guy has no idea why he's picking a fight at the bar or what it's going to accomplish. All he knows is he needs to start a fight and keep it going until the cops show up and arrest him. That's all he's got to do, and it's just a great kind of elaborate plot to get this uh, get this money. They steal like two million dollars, which you know, nineteen fifty six was an enormous sum. I so would it shock you to know that I actually haven't seen this film? It's not real surprising. It's it's a good film, but it's not a real widely known one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what I would really recommend, especially if you like Kubrick. I do, and that's sort of like the tragedy of it is I automatically now want to see it. <laughs> not only because I would want to see any Kubrick film, but since you're recommending it too, I need to, I need to check it out. Yeah, it's a good one. I mean, there's a bunch of really great acting by uh, Sterling Hayden was kind of over the hill. This was one of his last big films. Mm-hmm. Um, Elisha Cook Jr., Marie Windsor were known for playing you know, B-movie noir stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really good actors, but they were just never big stars. And there's just these fantastic performances um, by people that you've never seen before or you've never heard of. And yeah, it's 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 really good. It's a very good, you know, kind of pulp movie, yeah, which is appropriate. Does this movie, like, glorify the criminal, or is it just rang-tang-boom, kind of like, you don't need to have a positive opinion of the criminal because you're too, you know, engrossed in the action and kind of what's happening with the plot? It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very, it is a very, see, this is why someone would argue with me probably about it being noir. It's mm-hmm. not heist, it's a noir film. Um, because in the, in the noir genre, and I've thought about this, and it's not original to me, but I've been thinking a lot about this over the last, I don't know, year or two since someone said this. That Sam, someone was saying that the, the idea of tragedy has left our society, right? That we don't produce tragedies any longer in the, the older Greek sense or the Elizabethan oh, Shakespearean yeah. sense. Where if you look at a tragedy like Macbeth, the problem that occurs that causes that to be a tragedy are the inherent personal flaws of these tragic characters, Macbeth and his wife, that cause them to behave in certain ways that inevitably lead to their downfall. Mm-hmm. And noir, I think, really does that as well. That a true noir film, you have characters who have inherent flaws. So, just to take one of them, Elisha Cook Jr. is known for playing weak men who get pushed around. And he gets bullied throughout this film, and he's just kind of weak-willed, and he's good at like a particular technical kind of thing, but he's, you know, he's not a strong person. Right. And his wife bullies him and is cheating on him with a gangster, and that eventually leads to the plan unraveling and falling apart because he has this character flaw that he cannot overcome. Right. And it leads to tragedy for everybody involved. And you, you sympathize with them without losing sight of the fact that they're criminals they're not doing what is you know right and lawful and morally just mm-hmm. you know you kind of hope that they can find some happiness and succeed but they're not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna they can't yeah they're, they're right. flawed and faded yeah awesome i need to check this film out this might be something i watch tonight <laughs> i think yeah it's uh i don't know if it's streaming for free anywhere but it's a few bucks on amazon or something like that perfect so, i think yeah Cool. All right, so those are number four. Number three, Mark, what would you put there? Number three for me, this might be on a lot of people's lists for heist films, and it's a little bit more recent than the two films already mentioned, but number three for me is Inception. So what I love about this film, and probably you know anyone who's listening to this, they know about this film only 10 or 11 years ago. I think it's 2010, Christopher Nolan film. But what I love about this film is that as far as it goes in the heist genre – it's going from 
it's not about stealing an object or acquiring a specific thing. It's about planting an idea in someone's mind and sort of, in a sense, stealing their three will, free will. So it's the, you know, the technology they use in the movie is like this dream sharing technology where they're able to enter people's dreams. This doesn't spoil anything. And as they go deeper into people's dreams, essentially their subconscious and their sub subconscious, they're able to implant ideas that then in fact, impact that person's sort of real life behavior and decision making. Um, so the intent of the thieves or heist members in this movie is to implant an idea in the mind of the son of a famous CEO to dissolve his father's company. Um, right. So I think that whole idea of the dream technology thing, which had never been a movie concept before, that was brand new. But the idea of stealing someone's kind of free will through the implantation of ideas, I think, is really clever. And it's, you know, before Nolan came out with Tenant, this was like his really well done, I'm going to warp your mind type of movie. And then with Tenant, which we can talk about at some point, went way too far. <laughs> but oh. this movie, I think, does a really good job of a, with a complex, like, you know, a complex kind of scene makeup. It, you know, does it in a really clear way. Yeah, I wish I'd. I mean, that's that's really smart. I wish I'd thought of that. I rejected this movie specifically because I couldn't think of it anything that they were actually stealing, mm. right? That it wasn't about theft in this case. But you're right. What they're actually taking is the character's free will. Right? Right. They're trying to get far enough into his head to mold him into what they want him to be and, and, and exactly. essentially steal his ability to, to be okay and what i what i didn't mention that i also love about this movie and i won't spoil it is the subplot of leonardo DiCaprio's character like yeah. the things that go wrong you know with some of his background but also just the fact that there's that rich backstory too i think is like really cool yeah yeah nolan is is truly I and mean, this is a little bit of a it's sidetrack here but nolan is one of the best filmmakers out there right now yeah even more than just on a technical level because of the the his willingness to go after some of these really high concept uh kinds of films he's yeah. not making fast and furious movies you know they may have amazing effects you know like in inception where they you know mm -hmm. it's in all the trailers they fold the city on itself which is looks amazing yeah but it's not even necessarily entirely about that, that he is good at using those things in service of those bigger ideas that he's trying to deal with. That's a really good choice, too. Yeah. He's definitely yeah. not uh, falling into the, we should maybe, we should have a podcast on this. Uh, I don't know if you heard about Martin Scorsese's comments about cinema and Marvel movies. That was a little while back, but I did hear about that. Him talking about superhero movies weren't real movies or something. Right, we can we could have a whole discussion about that. But uh, Nolan, what I appreciate is he can tackle superhero movies or even things kind of close to that echelon without falling into the camp of Fast and Furious Marvel. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, it's probably unfair to lump Marvel in entirely as one no, no, undifferentiated no, no, no. mass. I mean, by this point, there's, what, 20-some-odd films. What we're but... really talking about is the uh, the more recent sort of Marvel Universe cinematic character movies. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just watched Tenet for the first time a week ago, two weeks mm. ago. It's fresh. I don't know why I'd been waiting. I It had been available on DVD and Blu-ray for a long time, and I was like, you know what I should watch? So yeah. I did. I like it better than Inception. Really? Yes. Ooh, we should talk more about that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, when you said he went too far, I was like, no, no, more of that. So oh, Whatever he does, he needs to be more of that. So <laughs> I think it's because it deals with time. And of course, that is a weakness of mine. Like heist films. I love yes. movies yeah. that deal with time. So, Okay, so for number three, here's where... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pick uh, the 1999 classic movie, Office Space. Office Space. Yes. Nice. Yes. <laughs> so Mike Judge, the visionary creator of Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill, made made the movie Office Space in 1999. Uh, it set in the kind of uh, tech boom, you know, dot-com period of history where there were all these tech companies that existed to do God only knows what. And yep. it's about 
uh, one character who decides that he just doesn't care about his job anymore for reasons that I'm not going to bother explaining. It's it's funny movie. It's a comedy. And he gets promoted while his two colleagues that are taking their job very seriously get fired or are scheduled to be laid <laughs> off. And so they band together in order to steal from their company using the plot of, what was it, Superman 4? Where they're... <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about how dumb this was. But the uh, the point is, is they're going to steal something. Everything goes wrong. But I, I still count it as a heist film because... The goal that they have is to steal from the company as revenge. Yeah. They're motivated by revenge. They're going to steal from the company. And that's that's really what drives the action in this film, mm-hmm. even if it is a comedy, even if it doesn't end in a conventional way for a heist movie. Right. You know, it, it is, I think, the main plot point that, that runs through this. And I think that's different from the usual suspects, again, because... And I, said I was going to talk about it here, but I talked about it already. In The Usual Suspects, they're not actually getting anything. Yeah. No one wants to walk away with something they did not already have. Yeah. In a weird way, it's about getting rid of something in The Usual mm-hmm. Suspects, right? Yeah. And so that inversion is why I picked Office Space over The Usual Suspects. Um, it's a fantastic film eminently quotable that's a great pick i didn't even think of this film but i mean i think it totally fits the criteria right and what's awesome is that without getting into a personal therapy session i think we can all relate (laughs) with some of the struggles that you know the corporate world well we can't all relate but a lot of us can relate with those struggles and the comedy and humor and just absolute ridiculousness of this film is something we can all aspire to (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you've ever sat in a cubicle, if you've yeah. ever had to deal with a dumb HR policy, if you've ever had a boss that was just a moron that you still had to, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. Three ever bags, had no, to sir. do tasks that seem completely meaningless and not right. a good use of your time, but apparently are cheaper for the company. <laughs> Five people come by and ask about your yeah. cover sheet for your TPS report. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite films. I I really. I think I really you recommended this. that film to me a while back, and that was the only reason I'd seen it. I uh, I got into the habit of recommending it to all of my colleagues at work. That you really spoke with. a lot about how you felt about work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anybody fresh out of college, first corporate job, I was like, you what you ought to watch, Office Space. <laughs> you should watch this. It explains everything about my perspective as your colleague. <laughs> That's right. I wouldn't exactly say I've been missing it, Bob. Um, good times. Good nice. times. Very nice. Yeah, it's it's probably the most quotable movie that I've got on this list. There's just a, I yeah, I could I don't know if I could recite the whole film, but there's bits from all over it that are that are wonderful. So. Yep. Cool. All right. Number two. We're moving at a rapid pace. This will be a good short episode. So this is that's fine. this is fun though. Number two for me is the. What is this? What year? Um, do, do, do I have this up? 1998. So 1998 movie, Robert De Niro, Ronin. Oh, okay. I love this film. And, you know, naysayers might immediately jump in and be like, okay, well, there isn't like a single defining heist event in this film. But that's the awesome part of this film is that, you know, this I don't know if you can call him former or like kind of rogue CIA US intelligence agent is woven in with a band of criminals to try and steal this this case that has stuff in it that we may or may not find out about by the end of the film and there are so many handoffs of this object throughout the movie you don't know who's going to get it who's going to turn on who and sell them out. There's so many just sort of exchanges of this object and the entire film is constantly action packed. I think there's like a car scene in there, which is one of the, like the longest car chases I've ever seen on film. And it's pretty good. I, but I also just love Robert De Niro as the, like, you know, I guess, like I said before, enigmatic, mysterious, highly skilled lead character where you don't know exactly why he's doing what he's doing, but he's really good at it type of character yeah this this is a a fantastic choice i thought about this as well i rejected it you don't have to you know naysayers you can just say me you can say you know 
Bob might reject this <laughs> choice because of these reasons. This is why I left it off. This is probably top five films for me all time. I love this movie. Such just, a good film. Yeah, Just a great movie. Yeah, there's multiple great car chase scenes. There's um, a ton of practical effects. I've watched, <laughs> I've watched this movie more times than I would care to state. I've actually watched it with the director's commentary on multiple times. Like, this is nice. this is a great film. This is a great film. Yeah, he actually got F1 drivers to drive the cars for some of the scenes, so that they could, you know, cruise down those narrow Paris streets and slide around turns and things like Apparently that. Apparently, yeah. they destroyed over eighty vehicles in the making of the film. Completely over believe it. eighty vehicles. Which yeah. is awesome. And look how star studded this cast is. It is That's it pretty is cool. Packed. This thing is packed top to bottom. De Niro. And it's international too. Jean Renault is in this. Stone mm-hmm. Skarsgård, Sean Bean. Fun fact, it has three Bond villains in this movie. Really? Yes. Yes. But call him out. Sean Bean from uh, Goldeneye. Oh, I forgot that he was a show. he was a Bond villain, yeah. Yeah. Michael Lonsdale. Mm-hmm, who plays mm-hmm. Jean Reno's mentor. He's Moonraker, I think. Yeah. And then Jonathan Price is the uh, the Irish guy who plays the newspaper magnate in whatever it was, Die Another Day, or it was another one of the ones yeah. with um, oh, whatever is what's his face is the same guy who was in Goldeneye, same Bond, uh, same 007 mm-hmm. series. So yeah, they got the this real might be one of my Vitt. favorite. To do the yeah. skating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This might be my favorite Stellan Skarsgård role, too. Um, oh, especially as a, a villain. Question. I thought he did a great job as a villain in this film. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a he's a great actor, too. I mean, he's, before he, he is, was doing yeah. the, the Marvel movie stuff, he was in... What was... Um, there's a... Isn't it a Christopher Nolan film? Insomnia? Where the Pacino goes up north to Alaska and he's trying to yes. catch that serial killer. I think yeah. Stellan Skarsgård was in the original Swedish movie that's that's a remake of as mm. well. Um, yeah, he's in a lot of films. Still called Insomnia? I don't remember. He's in Hunt for an October. I, that's right, I was forgetting. Hunt for October, he's in Goodwill Hunting, which he plays a more minor role, but an important one. He does a good job at that. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a he's good amazing. actor. But I, just, I thought he did a good job as being criminal in this film. Yeah, he did, did a good job. Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite movies. It has my favorite scene. One of my, well, I shouldn't say that. I can't think of... I, I, I'd argue with myself in, in 30 seconds if, if I'd said that. But where Jean... Um, mm. Robert De Niro is talking to Michael Lonsdale in the middle of the film about why he does what he does. Mm. And Lonsdale recites the story of the 47 Ronin, which is where this movie's title comes from. And they debate about what it is that drives people like them. Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. I also love, so first of all, I'm a huge John Renault fan. Um, I love the professional, that movie. But uh, there's this cool clip in this movie where there's a high-speed chase going on for I don't know how long it goes on on the screen. Maybe like 18 minutes, something crazy. But at like minute eight, this chase has been going on for a while, and the camera cuts to him putting on his seatbelt for the first yes. time. Yes, I know and you're exactly like, what you're talking about. You're like, what? Like, <laughs> You didn't have your seatbelt on this whole... Is it just... I think it might just be a sort of pseudo comedic element of a film market being like this chase just got real you know what well, i mean <laughs> yes because that is exactly the point where the person driving his car goes from driving on the correct right hand side of the road yeah. to driving against traffic on the left and you see right. that facial change he's just like oh no and then he puts his seatbelt on at that point yeah he just has an internal calm for most of the film but that's also him as an actor he's sort of like has a softness to his criminal behavior in some of the roles he plays. But uh, yeah, I love that. We're just like, Oh, time to buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you can see, you know, the, the character realization that, you know, instead of needing to be ready to get out and run the odds of tipped yeah. where it's more likely there will be an accident first. And I should, you know, prepare for that instead. Yeah. So, yeah. What a great choice. What a great movie. 
Fantastic. <laughs> All right, so for number two for me, this is also a little more comedic. You've gone a much more serious route with yours, other than the killing, which really doesn't have a lot of comedy in it. All of mine have at least an element of this. Mm. Number two is 1966 William Wyler film, How to Steal a Million, which it's right mm. there in the title, right? This is a heist movie. It is also yes. a romantic comedy with Peter O'Toole and Audrey Hepburn. Mm. This is a great movie. I really like this movie. It has <laughs> William Wyler as a director, who's a great director. I'm not a big fan of Peter O'Toole, but I really like Audrey Hepburn. It also has in smaller roles Eli Wallach, who people probably know best from uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. He is yeah. The Ugly. Um, he's also uh, the villain in The Magnificent Seven. In this, he's playing in a, a millionaire industrialist. But uh, And it's also got Hugh Griffith, a British actor that I know best, other than this film, as being in Ben-Hur. He's the guy that owns the horses that Ben-Hur races yeah. in that movie. So Hugh Griffith is in this. So essentially, in basic, you know, basic points for this plot, this all this is very beginning, very early, first couple scenes of the film. We find out that Hugh Griffith is who's Audrey Hepburn's father in this, mm -hmm. this role, forges classical paintings. He does Van Gogh, he does Rembrandt, he does whatever, and then he sells them as if they were real in order mm -hmm. to maintain his wealth. He also has a collection of real paintings, but you know, he, he forges them. In order to avoid uh, well, it, so he then loans one of his pieces, a statue that his grandfather or somebody made to a museum for a display. And he's not worried about that one. He's like, well, they could probably figure out that's a fake if they check it, but I'm not selling it. It's just going to go on display. So he thinks it's cool. Mm -hmm. Until after it's been delivered, he finds out that they're going to have to do an insurance appraisal on it. And they're going to bring in the experts to check it as a formality. Right. And now he's, everybody's in a panic. So Audrey Hepburn ends up essentially recruiting Peter O'Toole. I won't get into why he's a good choice. To help her steal her own statue back before the guy can come and check and find out that it's actually a forgery. So, A couple of different layers there. Nice. There's several different layers. Eli Wallach just comes through as a minor character to complicate things. He wants to buy the statue. He wants to marry Audrey Hepburn. Um, there's just... Yeah, it's a it's a strange convoluted plot, but the <laughs> heist itself actually very clever, goes off really well. It's a very small team; it's just the two of them, but um, it's got it all. It's got it all. It's got a great heist. It's got a lot of comedy. It's got a good romantic plot. It's got a bunch of my favorite actors and actresses. What more could a guy want? That's awesome. Another film I haven't seen, but. I mean, definitely going to check it out. You just listed off a couple of really awesome actors and Audrey Hepburn movies are always a fantastic watch too. So I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to overstate it, but I will, I would, I would watch Audrey Hepburn playing opposite a, you know, a store mannequin. Like mm -hmm. yeah. she's fantastic. so talented. Yeah. So talented. So. Awesome. Awesome. Number two, the, the nice thing about this too, is, I mean, you've seen the films I've, I've been bringing up, but uh, I'm just getting new fodder here for my own viewing entertainment. So that's fantastic. That's exciting to me. So should I move to number one? Number one, we've gotten to the top of the list. I think it's time. Yeah. I don't know. I'm wondering if this is going to be your top as well, but we'll, we'll see. That's okay. So I picked this film because out of any film that I think meets the definition of a heist film in the most classic manner possible with all of the previous dimensions that I had kind of, you know, theorized or brought up at the beginning of the cast. Ocean's Eleven is that movie yep. for me. Yeah. So number one on my list too. There you go. Per so perfect kind of wrap wrap up here, but yeah, Ocean's Eleven. What, what more you, can you say? We can both kind of go back and forth on this one, but enigmatic star studded cast of individuals that all have unique quirks and personalities and specialties. Um, you've got another element of, of, of a heist film that I think is, that I didn't mention before in terms of a lavish setting. So 
sort of extravagance and a lot going on with you know the Las Vegas Strip and these casino, this casino or casinos that they're trying to rob. Tons of intricacies and sort of layering of like how they go about it and all the twists and turns. But you you can talk more on it. This is a fantastic film. Yeah, no, no. I mean, you're doing great. The only reason that I would maybe move this movie down, and it's, it's similar to House of the Million, I don't like Julia Roberts, and I don't like that subplot. It's but not necessary. Other yeah. than that, other than that, the music, right? The score in this is fantastic. That jazzy score that they have, mm-hmm. the dialogue is so well written. It's got that very, you know, 1930s wise guy patter that I, I really like where yeah. they're, they're just constantly going back and forth. Um, when um, George Clooney and uh, Brad Pitt are standing outside the elevator, as they're planning everything <laughs> and, and Brad Pitt's like, all right, you got to level with me. Why are you really doing this? What is it that's motivating you to, yeah. to make this, this, uh, do this job. And Clooney gives him this speech about your whole life. You're trying to find that opportunity and the house beats you at every turn. And this is your, your one big chance to take the house. And then at the end of that, you know, Brad Pitt's like, that was that was a pretty good speech. He's like, you don't think I rushed it? I felt like I rushed it. He's like, no, no, that was very good. Like the, just the very <laughs> knowing, you know, wink at the yeah. audience and everything at every turn. Mm-hmm. Ah, man, it's great. It's, it's so it's great. It's so great. Which is why it's all the more disappointing that the next two f- films that they made, especially Ocean's 12, were so bad in comparison. You don't need to watch those films. Just, just watch this one and... Just forget that there were extra ones ever made. Yeah, it, it's it's really weird to me. I I think about that because it Soderbergh seems to have caught lightning in a bottle with Ocean's Eleven. Right, the stars aligned, everything fell mm-hmm. into place. He had a great cast; everybody meshed well together, and it it turned out great. And then it didn't work the second time around. Yeah. And, it worked a little better at 13. Like 13 feels like an apology for 12 more than anything else. But even that, that's not great. But you know, they... you're also playing with, you know, the recipe was made, right? You don't need to fall back on something you've already done before. I mean, it was a successful concept and there are series that continue to like fast and furious, you know, they continue to do the same thing, but like oceans 11 could have just stood on its own without trying to recreate it. Yeah. It, it could have, it should have probably. Yeah. And, the real sequel to it, this is, you know, we don't have to get real in-depth. The real true sequel to this that Soderbergh made, Logan Lucky, mm. which is a heist film that I thought about for this, and I only left off my list, frankly, because I didn't want to have two Soderbergh movies. Yeah. You know, that one is also a fantastic heist. It's just, uh, it's basically the what the same movie, but transposed into a different key, almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's another fantastic film. Another fantastic. Yeah. But, Ocean's Eleven, you know, I could it's, watch that a million times. It it literally, it, it has to be number one for me, not only because it's an excellent film, but because it, for this conversation, it screams heist. It, it's like saying to you, I am a heist film. Like every single thing about it, it has a prime directive of things they're trying to accomplish. It has a unique, like enigmatic, kind of skilled team um, there's lots of twists and turns. It's it's criminal sort of in nature. It's everything about it is heist. This is the heist film. Yeah, they, it it ticks all those boxes, and there's really there's nothing else that it could be right. You look at the killing; yeah. it could be noir instead. Office space that's a comedy. How to right. steal a million is more of that rom com. But this is, you know, the purity of the form. This is distilled to its most fine essence. And what's cool with this one too is that. Uh, like the prime directive, like there is a single heist they're trying to accomplish. But what's cool is that there are little moments throughout the film where you see like the setup, right. Of how they're going to accomplish it. And not all heist films have that where like they spend so much screen time focusing on the little details that each character contributes to the final heist. I like that a lot about this film too, is that they allowed, no, it's a star studded cast. You want to give them screen time, but you allow each character to kind of make their contribution in a really well thought out way, which I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's true. They they you have most time spent with your your primary protagonists, you know, Pitt, Clooney, and then you got a, a cut below that with Don Cheadle, 
uh, Matt Damon, yeah, um, the antagonist Andy Garcia, but even you know going farther down with Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing the Mormon twins, <laughs> they get less of that screen time, but they still feel fully fleshed out. Like these are yeah. real people, or well, maybe not even real people. The real characters. There's a, they're kind of archetypes in a sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, no, it's it's an awesome film. I love the cast. Love how they went about filming it. It's it's fantastic. Did you? I, so I know we said four. I had other films that I thought about. I rejected for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Did you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to say since we're coming in real short on our time? Well, not short, but shorter than we usually go. Yeah. Anything at all? I'll throw in, um, not like, I don't think this is at the level of the first four that I first mentioned in terms of like that I enjoyed as much, but I will throw in there Inside Man. Okay. Right, Denzel so, Washington, Denzel Washington, Clive, Clive Owen, Owen. Mm-hmm. mainly because you know I think it is a cool twist around. I'm not going to spoil anything about how the criminals here. It's a it's a bank robbery. How they escape the bank. That's pretty cool. But also the fact that there's an enormous twist in this plot as to why these people are robbing this bank. Right. Like, talk right. about. I mean, I actually read back through the synopsis of the plot to re- to remind myself before we had this cast, and I was literally like, if you had just brought this to me on paper, I would have been like, why are we making this movie? <laughs> like, this is so specific and such a weird twist towards the end of the film. Um, so I, I did enjoy that uh, when I first saw it and several times after seeing it again. So I throw it in there for a very unique twist and concept. That's a really good movie, and I hadn't thought about it. I don't think that one occurred to me. I might have picked that one otherwise, because it's a very good film. Yeah. Clive Owen does a, a fantastic job. I think the technical outlines of the robbery, not the motivations or anything like that, or the location, mm-hmm. none of those things, but the technical outlines actually is true for an actual bank robbery that took place. Oh, really? I want to say it was in Argentina. But they use that technique in order to rob a bank and then get away. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So there were a couple movies. I really, really, really wanted to put The Sting uh, on mm, this list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't want to get rid of the other four. <laughs> so yeah. eh, it got left off. But The Sting was really good. Paul Newman, Robert Redford. It could almost be a different, what I would call a different kind of movie, which is more about a con, running a con rather than a heist. But the amount of money involved, um, yeah, I was going to include it. If maybe I don't know. I, I wanted to. I think I think it could qualify for sure. But I think there is a borderline. Not using this movie as an example of like a heist has to be something like really grandiose too. I I would say is a box it usually has to tick. Well, it would be given the setting, right? So, the sting is set in the. 30s, I believe, mm-hmm. and they're stealing. I think something like six hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot back then. Yeah, in today's money, it's something like nine million bucks. Yeah, which I think is a big enough payday to count as a, mm-hmm. you know, target for a heist, needing a yeah. team. Yeah, but also Scott Joplin, ragtime music. I really like that, so that's mm-hmm. good. The other one I thought about, and I realized I really couldn't in good conscience recommend this to the wider public given that it is the hardest R I have ever seen for sexual content mm-hmm. I think is the movie Sexy Beast hmm. I've seen that um, Ray Winston and Bing Kingsley and Ian McShane it's a British film the part of it that is not the <laughs> the hard R for uh, sexual content is still a hard R for language mm. and it is still a hard R for violence. Like it is just all in. It is a rough film in some regards, but Ben Kingsley is magnetic as a criminal. The, the basic plot is he's, he, there's a heist being planned. He is sent to Spain to recruit Ray Winston, who is a retired safecracker and is retired to, to Spain to live in the countryside and just, you know, have his money stretch and be mm-hmm. outside of the country where he was a criminal. And Ben Kingsley is terrifying. Huh. Yeah. The whole thing is just a, 
yeah, there's a few elements of mystery. It's one of those movies that I, I'm glad I watched it once, right? Like I, I enjoyed yeah. the movie in a sense, but I don't know that I'd ever want to watch it again. So that didn't feel like a good one to put on the list either. That's cool though. Right. I mean, Ben Kingsley rarely plays such a prominent role in a film. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, I mean, he was Gandhi too, which is the other thing that was mm-hmm. weird. When I saw this, that was about the only thing I knew him from. Mm-hmm. So him going from playing Gandhi in my head to watching him play this, you know, absolutely foul-mouthed, violent, cockney villain was it's a bit of a turn. <laughs> oh yeah, head snappingly awesome. Know, twisting so well we didn't uh we didn't talk about what we were going to do in a couple weeks for our next episode after this one before we started recording so we don't have anything to announce at this point like what are we doing in two weeks but trying to keep people on their toes we'll come up with something that's it's probably a wise thing yeah that anticipation will cause them to to anxiously download it as soon as it (laughs) releases i'm sure people will be grasping their hair and wearing ash cloth because we didn't uh, announce what we're doing next. <laughs> That's right. Refreshing their phone. Yes. Uh, <laughs> repeatedly two weeks from now. Until their battery runs out. You know, That's I expect right. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will come up with something, whether it's another list of top whatever kinds of films or whether we go into a solo one or maybe we need to go back to the, the raison d'etre of this uh, podcast <laughs> and, uh, just do the you know winner should have been kind of thing again, but mm-hmm. either way, this was fun. We definitely need to do more of these lists because talking about these these various things is is uh, it's, I enjoyed it immensely. So totally. No matter what we do next, we will be back. All right. Well, I appreciate the conversation, Mark, and uh, hopefully it won't be as hot next time we try to plan a recording session so that we can get it done on time. Sounds fine by me. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for uh, downloading the podcast if you're doing that. And then we hope that you'll do it again in a couple weeks when we come back with the next episode. Catch you next time. See you later.